starts tapping or they're doing nothing and then like they get the ice cream truck i don't i haven't seen an ice cream truck in years apparently they're still here but so they come back these guys are getting like snowballs and shaved ice i heard one other day too though so i guess they really? wait right when the sun come out so i heard one yeah. other day i'm like is that an no. ice cream truck out here yeah no oh, yeah, yeah it's wild ice cream trucks who's back 2021 ice cream trucks I know, now, right <laughs> they take Devin. now i remember when you used to have to give them the change yeah. I, he was, I haven't seen it. It's ice cream. Yeah. Wow. Ice cream trucks. Wow. I guess like, yeah. But our, let me welcome on my next guest. We've got a very special guest. We've got Seattle Seahawks legend, one of the greatest left tackles to ever play the game of football, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Mr. Walter Jones. Walter, how's everything going for you? It's going good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for taking the time. So we're, we're kind of in the mix of the offseason, a couple weeks away from the draft, a couple weeks behind of the start of free agency. What have been your thoughts on Seattle's offseason, some of the moves they make, as well as I want to get your take on the whole what's going on with Russell Wilson. I think the Seahawks are doing some great, make some great moves in the offseason here. So I'm just looking forward to it. I tell people all the time, I'm just a big fan. And you, you, I think everybody does every team kind of see what the moves they make, you know, with, with the the rumbles with Russell all, all season. I think it's just part of the business, man. So I think guys now making so much money, so they feel like they can control it. You're seeing from other sports. You're seeing what Tom Brady is doing. So guys are, you know, guys want to win right now, you know, but people don't understand the work that Tom has put in. And, you know, that's Tom is a, a true outlier on how it's supposed to be done uh, for him. You know, people don't understand, you know, Tom is what the one seven Super Bowl, but he missed 10 years or not going to the Super Bowl. So you still understand that, you know, that's a process, that's work you have to put to it. But I think the Seahawks are right where they need to be. You know, I think if we keep Russell, they keep us in the hunt. But if we lose Russell, uh, that's going to kind of change things. But, you know, Pete is all about defense. So I think if you put a good defense out on the field, I think Pete feel like he got a chance. So, but still, again, Russell is one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. So you want to keep that guy. You kind of see if you got a good quarterback, you got an opportunity to win in this league. So you have to definitely try to keep your franchise quarterback as long as you can. I know I know there was some rumors that he, he wanted to kind of improve the offensive line. If they called you at all, maybe come back out there for a couple snaps or not? <laughs> nah, nah, man, I'm so done with football right now, man. I uh, I played it so long and, and you know, I gave him all my body to it. So, you know, I, that would never happen. It's ne you know, I've been removed now with going on 11 years, man. So I can't believe that. So, um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I watch it as a fan and, you know, I watch the news when I see it. And, you know, I don't, you know, when I first retired, I used to be like, okay, I got to get home on Sunday. I got to watch football. Yeah. And then I got to the point, I'm like, man, you know what? Why well, got to, you know, if I'm, if I'm sitting at home watching football, I watch it, but I'm not going to make it my everyday thing where I've got to, I got to, I got to keep up with what's going on in the sports world, but it's fun for barbershop talk and, yeah. you know, the, the finals, the, 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 the March Madness game was amazing. So it kind of, it kind of getting people back in that field, you know, like, you know, I, I know a lot of people want to be in back in the stands to see that. So yeah. it's just one of those, those situations. Cause I know I was going to ask you, so when you saw Trent Williams getting this big left tackle money, you're like, do I got anything left? Do I got anything left? They could use me. <laughs> you know what? I don't think it like that. You know, I tell people all the time that kid was, uh, when I was, uh, when I, I was throwing a free football camp back in Alabama back in the days. And I remember that kid coming to my camp as a, you know, a young kid coming out of high school, going into university of Alabama. So for me to see, especially with everything he had been through in, in Washington and then to get to the 49ers and sign a, a big contract, it's amazing. I mean, anytime that you can, you can, you can take care of your family, you know, you're, yeah. you're worth it. You know, you put in all the work and then once you get the payoff, that feels good. So I feel good for all these guys. I tell people all the time, you know, I get a lot of people texting me talking about, you see what these guys are making now, you know, I tell people all the time, I say, Hey, uh, I don't get mad at that stuff. You know, you get a lot of older guys get mad at that stuff, but you know, it's part of the game is yeah. the game is getting bigger and bigger. So, you know, for it over, we might have a, 
you know, a billion dollar contract. You never know. I think yeah. I think it's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, what McCall just signed that. So that's that's just now. So think about in the next, yeah. you know, you look at the quarterback. I told my son, I said that I'm banking that uh if Trevor, you know, Trevor's the one that's supposed to be the guy. So if Trevor come in here and play just as half as much as Mahomes did or do put up any half of the numbers Mahomes put up, he might be the first, you know, because he's been He's been talented as the guy, you know, since high school. I think a lot of people, you know, nowadays you can see guys from high school until they get to the pros. So I got him banking as the guy that's probably going to be the first guy to get a, a billion-dollar contract. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. No, because I know a couple weeks ago so I was texting uh, uh, Willie Rofe. I've had him on a couple times, good yeah. guy. And I know uh, he spent some time with the Chiefs, and the Chiefs got rid of both their left tackles – or both their tackles, left in uh, Mitchell Schwartz mm-hmm. and John Blank, the other, uh, back at the other right tackle's name. And I said, hey, watch your phone. Andy might be calling you soon. They need some help. He said, I'm out. I'm not playing. And then I said, do you see Trent Williams contract? He said, you're lying. I said, I'm not lying. Um, Yeah, no, that's unbelievable. Um, And then, so I know you said you haven't really kind of taken a look too much at the guys in this year's draft, but the one guy I was going to ask you, Panay Sewell, because I know he's out at Oregon. Do you see his game at all or not really? You know what I saw? I I was watching, uh, I watched an ESPN the other day. I saw a mock draft and they put him up there. And they was, I think they were showing his pro day. I think I saw his pro day where he was like wearing like a five, you know, at 300 some pounds. You know, I think at this game, at this level, you need athletic linemen. I thought the thing about him, he's very athletic. And you have to be that. I think I, you know, you know, you know, the young people say he got swag about him. I think when you get offensive linemen to have swag, you know, they can be pretty successful in this league, but still understand their game. I think a lot of times as an offensive lineman, people look at that as, um, you know, people don't look at those positions, but nowadays, people look at offensive line. I tell people all the time that when I was playing the game, when I had offensive line, I had, like you said, I had Willie Rolfe, I had Orlando Pace, I had uh, Jonathan Ogden. You know, I had so many guys to watch. So now, you know, that, that kind of put the, the offensive linemen on spectrum. So now people feel like they can watch games now and understand, okay, I know what a good offensive lineman is, I know what a bad offensive lineman is. So, you know, people never really put that much work into seeing what the offensive lineman is all about. So, you know, every year everybody, be, oh, the offensive line bad, this, this. So people are, are really putting the energy into seeing what's a good offensive lineman, what's a bad offensive lineman. So I, I wish nothing but success for this kid. You know, he got the hype, and it doesn't matter, you know, will it transfer to the next level. So all you can do right now is just watch and see how these guys perform or what teams they go to that's going to actually get them to go out there and show their full potential. Who, who do you think is the best uh, left tackle in the game today? Oh my God, that's a hard question. I, you know what? I tell people all the time I don't look at guys like that. So I, I look at guys that you know you have to you have you know you have to look at a guy that just got paid, Trent Williams. So right now, Trent probably is the you know he the way he plays the game. He plays the game like a defensive player. You know he's out there attacking. You know and, and, as linemen, you have to do that. You have to go out and you have to attack, attack, attack. And I think the way he plays the game, he's always attacking guys. A lot of times, it's always the defensive guys attacking you. So when you see an offensive lineman that can attack guys and, and make guys feel their presence. I think that's what makes it amazing that, you know, he make he make his present field. Guys, you have to know where he's doing or where he's at, who's going against him. Though. That guy probably ain't going to get nothing much throughout the game. And then um, the Seahawks, they gave up their first pick for Jamal Adams, if I'm correct, right, this year? They don't what have their first, round, their, first, their first round pick for this year is to the Jets. They no, the they Jets. don't. I think they gave them all up for, for Jamal. So we'll You think see. it's worth it? You know what, man? I think Peter's all about defense. So if you're gonna put guys out there, you're gonna put guys that you believe in. Not saying he don't believe in the offense, but you know, Peter's a defensive-minded guy. So if you put a good defense out there, then your quarterback, your offense can go out there and play games. So they they knowing that the defense is gonna give you the ball back or put you in good situations. So you know, you have to build that defense up and, and make sure that the defense is ready 
when the playoffs start. Do you think they're looking at that secondary? Because I know they lost Griffin. I think he, I think he, did he go to the Jags? I forget where he went. Yeah, he but went to the Jaguars. Jags, do you think they're addressing, they're looking DB with their first They have to, team? man. I think it, just, they, I don't think they got a first round draft pick. So you have to be, you know, with yeah. everybody, Tyler Lockett got signed. So I yeah. think they feel, I think they feel, I feel pretty good where the offense is at. I think it's just a matter of, uh, like you say, every year, uh, are they going to let Russell cook? You know, you know, Russell cook there for the last first eight games and all of a sudden things just went south and you don't know why, what happened there. So you, he was, he was a number one leader and the MVP and then he just fell off, you know, through two picks and then boom, it just, his name wasn't mentioned again. So it's kind of tough, you know, but I think in defensively, I think that's where they probably going to go. You know, the Seahawks every year do a great job of making sure they have picks. So yeah. we'll see what happens here in the next month to see if they're going to, get the picks that they need to get the guys that they need here. You know, they always work on guys getting uh, got chips on their shoulders. So if you play on that, you're going to get the guys that you feel that can come here and perform at a very high level. What do you think was the turning point last season where things started to go south? I, know they I honestly don't know. I, I think it was a situation where Pete probably felt like, you know, I got to slow this down, you know, because you're putting, the more you throw the ball, the more you get more opportunities for the defense to be on the field. And at that time, I think the defense was still trying to learn each other, everything with the COVID. The defense, I think the defense showed the worst because now offensively, you don't, you don't know because you're not really in, you're not in practice. You're not seeing. So now offensively, the first, you saw a lot of teams coming out, throwing the ball, the defenses are trying to figure things out. But then, as the season got along, you know, you start seeing defenses start figuring out what these offenses are trying to do. So I think it was more of offenses figuring out what was going on and 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 then they kind of kind of you know then then adjust. And, and the Seahawks have always been a great team of adjusting to what defenses are trying to do. And I thought that the Seahawks didn't do a good job of adjusting to see what defenses were doing to them because they was being so successful. When you be so successful, sometimes you feel like I don't have to adjust. They got we got to figure out how to beat them, but. I thought the Seahawks just didn't figure that out in the, in the, in the later part of the season. And then I, I want to ask, I know you're, because you're, you're a Florida State guy. Are there any guys we should keep our names or keep our eyes on for the draft? In Florida State right now? Yeah. Um. Oh, man. Uh. I have, you know, like this year was a crazy year. I think I, I like the receiver. I think his name is Kerry, uh, Scary Terry. I think he's going to be a high draft pick if he's coming out. I don't know if he's coming out or not, but. I really have, you know, I talk to the coaches, but I, honestly, I'm, I'm almost about Florida State. So I'm always, you see, you see, you see my, my stuff up. So yeah, I'm always rooting for them and always trying to get to a game every year. So for me personally, it's one of those situations where I just want this team to, this team to be back in the hunt again for the championships. And, you know, right now I think it's all about the coach getting the right guys in there. And, you know, it, that's a big, that's a big school to, to, to come behind body bound. It just, it's tough because people want to see, success now you know people don't understand that Bobby Bound had to go through his struggles and right now we just ain't gonna let nobody go through their struggles if you're not doing good we in with the next and you know the, the, I, I say the sports now is like a, a, a microwave people want it now you know you don't want to see this you don't want to see the process you want it now I want you to win now you see if one team do it and one year where they don't supposed to do it now every GM every president want to say I want that to happen to next year so I think everybody is fighting for that that success right now and not building the blocks to, to, to be successful. When I asked you about your career, did you, did you have any, what kind of offers do you have coming out of high school? Oh, I didn't have too many. I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I was, I was a struggling kid in school, so it was tough for me. But once I made my decision that this is what I wanted to do, I had to put in all the work. It was, I had my schools that I wanted to go to cause I want a high recruit coming out of high school. I had Alabama, I had Florida state. I had, I had, uh, uh, Nebraska, because at that time when I came out, Nebraska was all about 
producing offensive linemen. But my coach was like, go to a school that, that does it both pass and run. And Florida State ran the pro style. So he was saying Florida State probably the best. If you're thinking about going to the next level, you got to be able to pass, protect, and run block. So I took that as – but I, I fell in love with Florida State. I went to a football camp one summer, fell in love with Florida State, and I said, this is where I want to go to school. So I put all my marbles in that, and, you know, everything was, you know, I'm here now interviewing you because, you know, I went that route and – it was fun, you know. I, I won't, I won't, I won't do it no other way. I, I, I kind of, kind of, I knew what I was doing, and I kind of said, "This is the route I'm gonna go," and it's been nothing but successful. And yeah, it's been fun. Uh, and I, I saw, so you, you spent a couple years at JUCO. Yes, what, I went to what, junior college. What happened with junior college? I was, yeah. um, I was, um, I was coming out of school. I didn't have all the core classes to get into the major league, so I had already. Connected with Florida State, Florida State liked my fam, but I didn't have the grades. So they're like, hey, if you get the grades or, you, you know, everything work out perfect, I will, uh, they will give me a scholarship. So, but then, you know how that works. So they're like, we'll send you to junior college. So they had two junior colleges that because I was a late bloom. I was late getting all that stuff taken care of. So at that time, all the junior colleges already had their spots, but they, there was only two colleges that Florida State deal with that had a spot. And I went to the first one. I didn't know the coach didn't see no fam. I walked in. And I was like, hey, you know, he checked me out and blah, blah, blah. And he said, we got a scholarship for you. And I'm like, you're not, you didn't even watch any film. He said, you passed the eyeball test. You look like you can play. So, and you, and Florida State sent you here. So that tells me that you must can, you're okay. So I didn't even get a chance to go visit the other college. I visited Holmes Community College and they gave me a scholarship on the spot. And Did they I went to Florida. I, and literally when I went to junior college, junior college kind of started back over to all the recruiting. Because I, I didn't get a lot of recruiting out of Hollis High School, but when I got there, I got all the accolades and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden now I started getting recruited by Alabama. I started getting recruited, you know, Florida State was recruiting, but I started getting like little small schools, a lot of black colleges and stuff. And um, and then when I got get ready to come out of junior college, I was going to my my uh, award banquet and I was getting like the JUCO player of the year award and stuff. And, I, and that's, you know, I already told uh, uh, Bobby Bowen I was coming there, but he still made appearance at my banquet. Think about it, a rural Mississippi junior college and a hot gymnasium he came he showed up he was he there showed up yeah wow. so that was pretty cool and um and at the same time when i was at this award banquet gene stalin in alabama was at my mom house trying to recruit me to come to alabama so but i had already committed to florida state i knew that's where i wanted to go so it wasn't a problem it wasn't an issue with me so i i was i was everything i was doing was to get to, to get to florida state what, what was it about bobby Baden you wanted to play for him I thought he was a family man. You know, he, he kind of treated me like his son. You know, he was all about trying to, you know, make you a better person. And I, I kind of enjoyed that. You know, when he came to my house, he wasn't, you know, you knew who he was, but he came in, he treated me with respect. He talked to my mom. You know, he's from Alabama, so yeah. he, he, he know the lingo, I guess you would say. And it was fun. I, I said, this is where I want to go. I was, I, yeah, I, I was already, you know, I was hooked way before then. I went, like I said, I went to a, a camp one summer, and I was like, this is where I want to come. Yeah, because I know Leroy Butler told me Bobby Bowden was the only guy that showed up at his house to recruit him. Yeah. The only coach. That, and it's, the cool thing about Bobby Bowden was that when I when I was actually there, and you know, you walk into a practice coming out of the locker room walking, he would walk, you know, you know, every once in a while you might see him walking. He used to be by himself. But one day he just walked up to me and touched me and he was like, Hey, how you doing, Walter? And he I I, I, I have a big family, there's eight of us. And he asked everybody, every all my sister and brother, he knew their name. I'm like, he just like you just don't either you know, you tell him that stuff, but you don't know if they and he came up and asked about my mom, my, all my sister and brother. So that kind of really stuck with me that, you know, this guy really put in the hard work, put the work in to get to know his players. And, and that was pretty cool. 
Do you think coaches today are doing that or not not as much kind of getting there? I don't, I don't know. You know what? It all depends. I think a lot of times I think coaches understand, like, you know, family have a lot to say, so have a lot of power over their kids. So I think if you're going into a house, I think the number one person you have, the number two, if, the, if it's a two-parent house, you have to convince the parents. Now, you got a big family of sisters and brothers, you got to convince all them too, but the number one thing is you, you want your parents to feel like you're going to protect their kid and you're going to look out for their kids while they're there in college. So I think that's the thing that a lot of uh, parents look for. You know, for me personally, when my son was looking at schools, I wanted to feel like, okay, I feel okay letting this this coach or whoever, you know, have my son and he's going to look out for my son. So I think that's the number one thing that you have to look for when you're looking at these coaches. And so, so I'm looking at, I got, I got some numbers here from the from the Jackson Clarion Ledger in 1994. Said you were 260, <laughs> 265. Yep. Going into FSU, did they? How'd, how'd you how'd you get, how'd you bulk up? <laughs> I didn't bulk up until I was getting ready to get into the league. I played. Really? Uh, I, I played my first year. Of, well, my my redshirt year, I was trying to still put on weight. So my year that I played at Florida State, my first year there, I started out at like probably two seventy five, and that, throughout the year I put on a little weight. So when I got through playing at Florida State, I was probably about two about two eighty. And so when I came out for the draft, they was kind of, you need to at least get 300 pounds. So I was trying my best. So when I got to the combine, I was like 301. And then as I continually kept going, getting ready, got drafted, you know, Seahawks was saying, oh, you need to be this weight. We need you to be about 315, 320. So my first year in the league, I played like 315, around 315, 320. And then I kind of maxed out at like 325. And that's kind of was my weight throughout the whole, my whole career. What kind of meals were they have, were you eating to, to just to get the, like? Well, at that time, you know, I don't know if you know anything about the creatine. You know, they had the creatine, yeah. the, the the powder. They had back then. They had everything creatine. They had it in the pancakes, the eggs. So, you know, you was putting away. But now, you know what I tell kids now? I said, don't do that. Don't do that because once you put that weight on, it's very hard to get it off. So I would say, if you're athletic and you can get the job done, try to be as as, as in shape and slim as you can because this weight is very hard to get off once you you know. But you understand that. That way help you when you're playing the game. But, you know, I, I would tell a young kid, don't, no matter what they say, if they want you, they want you. If not, don't worry about it. Don't worry about your weight. Because if you're, if you're a very high pick, yeah. they're going to look look for you and they're going to pick you. So, you know, just try to get stronger and be a student of the game. They got creatine pancakes at IHOP or they take that off the menu? <laughs> well, the pancakes by itself, they're probably gonna put the weight on you too now. So you don't need no creatine now. You just eat the food that they put out there. So you'll put the weight on anyway. So yeah. I assume there's a bunch of NFL guys you probably were playing with in, in Tallahassee. Who who was some of the guys on the roster? When I was there it was Warwick Dunn. It was Peter Bowyer. It was uh uh Renard Wilson, you know, I had Andre Rodsworth, you know, so many guys that was there when I was there. So back then that was when they was, you know, I'm not saying they wasn't good when I left, but they was you know, they were still right there, one, two, top five every year. Yeah. So, you know, so it was pretty cool to be with those guys. I tell people all the time, I said, the cool thing about Florida State that the number three guy is probably should be a number one guy. So you get all your work at practice because you're going against, you know, five-star guys. So by the time you got to the game, the game was easy. So that made sense to me why they could go out there and put 70 points on the team because you're playing with the, almost like an all-star team. Literally, everybody there is good. Even the second and third guys was a – a five-star athlete coming out of high school so but everybody want to be at florida state you know you want to be in national championship games every other year or be in the hunt for it so yeah. that, that that was pretty cool to be a part of that 
from, from going from um, JUCO to, to FSU, were you the, the did they move you right to the your starting left tackle or was it? A, you know, when I was at Florida State, I was a left tackle. But my first year I played, we had two starting tackle that was there. So a lot of people don't know this. The year that I played at Florida State, I was rotating tackles. We had three tackles. It was Trey Thomas and it was uh, Todd Fodham. Todd Fodham was a, like a five-year guy that, you know, they weren't going to. They weren't going to sit him down. So basically they were like, well, you're too good to sit on the sideline, but these guys have waited for their turn. But they rotated us throughout the whole year. So they would start the game. I would go in after the third series for the left guard tackle, play a three series, and then go in for the right tackle. He'd get three series out. So that was the rotation throughout the whole season. So people don't understand. And I came out for the draft in the same – and I wasn't planning on coming out for the draft. But, you know uh, – uh, Agents start talking to guys that was high profile, and agents always ask, "Hey, name me somebody that we should be looking at." And a lot of the guys will say, "If Walter Jones come out, he would be a high draft pick." So that's how how it all started for me. How the draft, how I decided to come. The reason why I still came out, I didn't come out for the draft was when I really started thinking about the draft was because I was excited to be at Florida State. One day I walked in the locker room and it was like mid season, and they came out with a mid winner mid draft report like all the positions and everybody was in the locker room like looking at this draft report and then all of a sudden I walked through and everybody was like oh let's see what Walt let's see what they got Walt right at so I'm like ah they probably ain't even got me. I'm thinking like okay my first year plan there's no way they got me rated I haven't played enough and they came out with a list I was the number two tackle behind Orlando Pace and that's when I first thought like man this could happen and um and then we played in the Sugar Bowl and we uh we lost that game and then I was making a decision to decide to say, I was talking to my mom and I went to school for a day. I think I went to school back to school for a day. And I'm like, okay, this is my opportunity. When you get an opportunity, not you take it. So I took the opportunity and I came out for the draft. From, from going to JUCO to FSU, what was the difference in the game? I'm just, obviously it's a lot, you're playing, uh, you're playing against a lot better competition where it's a lot faster. The game's kind of moving out quicker. Was it easy for you to adjust or did it take some time? Uh, I think the hardest part about the game itself wasn't hard. I tell people all the time, the hardest part is about, uh, just uh, being an adult, because you think about it, you're in Florida State and every, they take care of everything. You don't have to worry about nothing. So you got to think about it. you go to you come here and you know playing football is what you do, but you know it's after football is what you're not used to. You had a dormitory, people you fed you. So now you got a house, you get all this money, you get a house, you get everything set up. So I think that was the thing that I had to learn how to be, you know, take care of your responsibility. I think going from College to the pros is about, you know, you have to learn how to play the game, be a professional. But I think it's all about taking care of your responsibility outside of the game, like, you know, making sure your bills were played, making sure, you know, just the so, sort of stuff that you didn't have to worry about in college. And so uh, I think that was the welcome to, you know, I'm, 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 I'm it, this is my, I was, I tell this story all the time. I, I got a house, I got everything set up, you know, got all the TV, fancy stuff. And I'm sitting there watching TV one night and the power went off. I'm like, what the heck going on? So what happened was, I didn't know how to check the mailbox from bills. So all my bills was in the mailbox. I didn't know. I didn't ever, you know, I'm coming from school. I didn't, I didn't have to pay no bills. I wasn't looking for bills in the mailbox. I, I had a mailbox, but I wouldn't get no mail. So when I got my house, I was just going to practice every day, coming home, you know, and all of a sudden the power went off. And then I went to the mailbox and I had like three uh, past due bills. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to pay my bills. So yeah. Yeah. that was the, that was the, Okay, you got to take care of your deal. Everybody help yeah. you get everything set up, but then you're in control to making sure your bills get paid. So I think that was the the welcome to the NFL for me, but just being able to be 
uh, responsible for everything outside of football. Good question. W which school has better nightlife, Holmes Community College or Florida State University? <laughs> Definitely Florida State, but I, I tell you people all the time, I had I had some fun. I had fun at, at, at JUCO because you got a chance to meet uh, kids that was kind of like in the same situation where, okay, they went to D1 schools or they had to graze or they got in trouble. So now you got these, these top kids, you know, most of the time in these schools, they have probably like five out-of-state kids. So you kind of really connect with those kids because those are the ones that can stay on campus. Usually at JUCO's campus, you have to get off campus on the weekend. But being an out-of-state, you have to stay on campus. So you really connected with these guys. Some guys will be from Georgia, be from New York City. So you're really building a bond with those guys. And those many nights on, on, a, on a Saturday night or a Friday night, you're in the dorm and there's nobody there. So you're building these bonds with the guys. So that was real fun because now you can sit down and you can talk to these guys and you can hear these guys' dreams, what they want to do, what they want to be. And then once you get to the next level to D1, and then you see those guys, like I remember that kid when he was at JUCO. So for me personally, that's pretty amazing for me. So I tell people all the time, you know, not saying Florida State wasn't fun, but my two years at JUCO was a pretty amazing. For me personally, I tell people all the time for me because I started playing ball. I didn't start playing as a freshman in high school. So for me personally, JUCO was great for me because it gave me an opportunity to continue to learn the game. I think if I would have went somewhere to a D1 school, I probably would have been behind a little bit, but I was able to go there. I, I call it, it's just another two years of season to yeah. get to learn how to play football, yeah. how to be, you know, so when I got to Florida State, the game was easy for me. I understood the game. I understood everything. So that was probably my, probably, I would say going to JUCO was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Ed, had you ever been to Seattle prior to the draft? No. I have nothing about it. I, I knew about Seattle, but I've never been this. You know, coming from a rural place, you don't you don't get to you don't get to get a chance to go to Seattle. But for me personally, I thought it was a. I, at first, I was like, man, I'm gonna be so far away from home. But the cool thing about it was that I was able to come here and focus on football. And it was the same thing with me when I was at Florida State. My family didn't come to a lot of games, so I was able to have to worry about tickets, so I could go and play. They see about me on TV or see me in a magazine. And that was cool for me. And so when I came out here, I was thinking to myself, okay, I just go out here and play football. That's it's gonna be great. I don't have to worry about tickets. I don't do this. So it was amazing for me to come here. You know, you get drafted so high, so the team is bad anyway. So we wasn't on TV until we started. Things started turning around. But for me personally, it was great for me. I could come here and focus on football, and they had to worry about the, the the family about getting tickets or they coming out. I think my mom. So I've been in Seattle now for what, 22, 23 years? I think my mom been out here probably four okay. times. My mom don't like to fly, so my mom only been out here probably four times since I've been living here out here in Seattle. Is the Starbucks better there? I'm not a big Starbucks. I'm not a big coffee drinker. Really? So I, I, don't tell, I don't drink, tell I, your neighbors. I, yeah, hey, I do, I do, I do, I do Starbucks, but I'm not, I'm not looking for it every day. I know some people that drinks it every day, so it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a ritual. But you know, it's, it's, it's I, I would say it's, you know, I get it. I yeah. totally get it, you know, but yeah. I'm not a big coffee drinker, so I don't, I don't, I don't chase Starbucks. So. Yeah, I have a question. What was, did you uh, get to the combine? What was your draft process like? I went to the combine. I was a junior. I was able, and then the crazy thing about the combine, I was sick at the combine. I had a head cold. I was so sick at the combine. I got there and I got sick, and I called my agent. I said, "Man, I am, I'm so sick." He said, "Hey, man, I know you're sick, but I need for you to go in there and do some, do some uh, bench press and do a, the drills." And I, I got through the drills, and that was it. I was done. I was like, I can't. I couldn't talk to nobody. I was, I got there and just got a bug and I was sick, but I was able to go in there. And he was like, I said, man, I don't know if I could do it in bench. He said, if you get over 20, you're good. So I got 22 uh, bench press. I did some drills. I did the 40, just some stuff that they can get on paper and stuff. But it was fine though. I, I think the cool thing about the combine, you get a chance to see guys that you saw play throughout the season. 
do drills, you know. I didn't get a chance to see Orlando Pastry. You know, he was the number one draft pick, so he didn't have to work out. I was still trying to figure, get people to know who I was. You know, I was a raw talent, so I had to perform at every possible opportunity I had. And for guys this year, since there is no combine, maybe guys that aren't, aren't like name guys that don't have a kind of big profiles, do you think we're going to see a lot of guys kind of fly under the radar, or do you think these teams are doing their due diligence? Uh, I think, these, I, you know what, these teams are so good at scouting now. I don't even know. I think a lot of times, a lot of times when they do these work, I think they just want to see these kids, see these guys, see these kids, see what they do in short, how they, you know, I think it's all about just trying to see how these, you know, because everything is handed to them when they're in college, so now you're yeah. – you got to be ready. So you want to see what these kids do from the time they start playing football till they get ready to, to get ready to, to, to do an interview for a job. So it's almost like you're interfering for a job. I think a lot of times these coaches and these teams know who they're going to pick. It's just a matter of just seeing these guys and just doing their due diligence to make sure, okay, this is my guy. Did, did you go, did they have the draft in New York or did you do it? Did you do it? I didn't go. Cause I was a, you know, I was one of the guys that didn't people, a lot of people didn't know. So I was nervous about that. I didn't want to be the guy to be stuck into the, in the green room. So I didn't go. I was like, I'm gonna stay at home. And, you know, sometimes I hate that. I didn't do that because those are the opportunity. Those are memories that you can't get back. But, you know, I thought it was, a. I, I thought at that time, I'm like, okay, I'm, my name is out there, but you still don't know about the draft. So I like, I'll just sit at home and I didn't, honestly, I didn't think I was going to get drafted that high that quick either. I thought I was going to be sitting there and just like, okay, it's going to happen. And for it to happen at number six and the crazy thing about it, I had, uh, I did a party. I had a party set up and, you know, cause I didn't know nobody say, okay, once you get drafted, you're going to go boom, 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 boom. And literally as soon as I got drafted, Seahawks called me, say, Hey, well, my agent called me like after the celebration I was sitting there like, okay, so we was at, we was at some friend's house. We were sitting there. We had the, everybody else at this place watching the draft. So I was like, I don't want to be there until I was over. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with a lot of, you know, a lot of times people just want to ask questions like, Oh, so what are you thinking here? Or what's going to happen? Like, I don't know. So I wanted to be in a secure place where I could just chill. I'd, I'd have to have an open line phone service. I had to, have, you know, make sure nobody was on the phone when the draft started because you didn't know where you get a phone call. And so that's how it went for me. And as soon as I got drafted, I thought, okay, I'm going to go up to, up to the, up to the, up to the place and party with my family and my friends. My agent comes and well, you got to be at the airport in two hours. Like, what do you mean? And that in a rural area, being at the airport is hard because there's not a lot of airports. So the nearest airport was like an hour and a half away. So it kind of was a bittersweet situation, but you know, you got drafted. So you take on that, flew out to Seattle and the rest is history, I guess. They send the team plane or you got to go commercial? <laughs> no, they sent me. They put me in first class, though. All right. That, was, that, that was that was uh, that you're was a coach. You're in coach. We're going we're to humble you a little bit. Hey, this, hey, that's what happened to me when I went out for the draft. When I, when I got drafted, I went out there for the video. I went out for my media tour. They put me in first class. They sent me back. They put me at all at the famous, the nice hotel. You, you got to the hotel. You got they got the they have the uh, they have the basket on the bed. Uh, you look out, they got a nice view of the water. It's like the perfect Seattle yeah. scenery. You're like, oh, nice. And then the next week was, uh, was uh, we had a camp and they flew me back up. <laughs> they put me in coach. And I, I think that was the last time I flew in coach though. So that's, 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 that's to tell you, that was the last time I flew coach. Like, okay, I'm done with coach. I thought you were going to say, yeah, man, they got, they got me Spirit Airlines. The pilot didn't show up. We had one <laughs> wing. They no, were like, oh, no, that was just because you got drafted. I'm like, hey, well, I don't get first class. And like, then they put us into like, the, when we yeah. came up for camp, they put us into yeah. La Quinta Inn. I'm like, what? Yeah. What about hey, that they, one? Y'all put me got, with the flush bread yeah. and the towels. Yeah. It was made uh, like got, ducks and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, you might not be able to sleep. The elevator's loud, but they got that waffle maker in the morning. Oh, uh, no, right. Yeah, yeah that's something. I have a question. I'm kind of jumping years ahead. Um, Why did you call Lofa Tatupu Chalupa? Oh, my God. <laughs> he wanted to know. You know, I, I, you I know what, that. man? It was, it was just one of those things, man. He was a rookie, and I was just... You know me. I was, you know, I, I always, I was always, I, was, I came from the, 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 the age where you know you, you, you give the rookies a hard time throughout, no matter how good they are. But with him, I, I honestly, I didn't, you know, I knew who he was, but you know, he got drafted. They was playing with him, and Leroy was playing real good. They was, they came in here and changed the, the whole culture of playing defense. And one day, I just, you know, I was watching him on film, and then I saw him in the locker room, and I just looked over at him. I say, Chalupa. <laughs> and I was just, just joking with you know he's a rookie so you just mess with him you know you most of the time you're saying hey rook so I was like I knew his name but I was just like hey Chaloop I said man you're a bad boy man and then that's how it, it just stuck you know it was like you know and I think for us that's the way we was taught to yeah. to earn your respect by what you do on the yeah. football field so yeah. for him that was he loved it to death because he'd be like hey man that was Walt giving me my my respect <laughs> I was like hey Chalupa, man you're a bad guy man and it, it been with it been stuck with him ever since, man. So, so it, it it caught on. The other guys were calling him that. No, no, no. Oh, that no, was a one no. time. That was a one off. That was oh, like, really? oh, I, I said it one time and I never said it again. You know, I, I don't call <laughs> you him remembered. That's yeah, he remembered that. He, he still to this day when we out with fam friends, he'll say, "Walk, call me Chalupa," and I was happy as heck because Walk gave me my respect, and I just looked at him in the locker room and I'm like, "Hey, Chalupa, man, you good, bro? You good, man? Keep it up." So uh, it yeah. never was something I I just continued. It was just it was a one off. I was just playing with him one day in the locker room. I have a question. So you you blocked for two of the best running backs ever play the game. Who do you think mm-hmm. is more underrated, Ricky Waters or Sean Alexander? Ooh, that's a tough call, man. Because I I, I got I got Ricky at, at, at you know in his you know at the end there, and still he was a beast. Uh, I liked that Ricky because Ricky had that swag that was different than any. You know he was you know he was kind of cocky. And, you know Sean was kind of arrogant too. Uh, but I, you know, I give my stuff to Sean because I was Sean was the guy that I really blocked for, for most of my career. So you know, you can't deny the numbers that he put up. So I have to give it to, you know, you said overrated or under, Under, underrated, underrated, underrated. I think they're both underrated, both underrated. But (laughs) yeah, that that that's a tough call, man. I love Ricky. I love what he brought to the game, and you know, Sean too. You know, it's amazing to be able to say that you're able. You know, I tell people all the time. You know. I tell people all the people that I've seen in my huddle, you know, I was in a, I've been in a huddle with Jerry Rice, bro. I've been in a huddle with uh, Warren Moon. So it's just like, it's just, and that, and that was like when I was young, you know, Jerry was a little old when I was, you know, I was established, but to be in, 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 in the huddle with Warren Moon, you know, like you see these guys on TV, like, man, I was in a huddle with Jerry Rice. I remember watching him in practice, like, man, this guy's amazing. Like he just had an aura about him. Like, man, that's Jerry Rice. So that was pretty cool what is, what kind of, what's the, um, how is the preparation different between what Warren did and maybe what Hasselbeck did? I don't know if it's about preparation. It was just like, you knew, you knew Warren Moon, like as a young guy, you saw him when he played at Houston and all that, the stuff that he was able to do. So from that standpoint, I don't know, it was a, you know, Hasselbeck was, was good at what he did too. So, you know, I think Hasselbeck was the, the pro typical quarterback that Mike Holmes wanted for his offense, that dink and dunk. He was good. Hasselback was so good at that, you know. He, I thought, you know, a lot of time when you see quarterbacks, you always want to see they they are a, a carbon copy of the coach. And I thought Hasselback was pretty good at what Coach Hunger wanted him to be as a quarterback. And you know, when Coach Hunger brought him in, you know, 
Coach Hunger said, this is my guy. You know, Coach Hunger saw him there in Green Bay. So at that time, I was like, you know, he came here, he, and he didn't do good when he first got here. So I, was, I used to joke with him. I used to call him the Great White Hope. So I was like, what the heck is this guy? This guy, what the heck? But, you know, he kind of – it changed over. You know, he kind of kind of got his feet in and and the rest was history. So, you know, great quarterback, funny guy, great guy. So it was fun to, to be able to, to, to protect him for a, a good while too. So Speaking of protection, why do you slap the hell out of him? <laughs> y'all know a lot of stuff uh research, you know what that man, just that that just happened over you know it was uh, one night of hanging out with my old armor man we was in training camp you know like everybody always messed with me like i only i was in the league for 13 years and they, everybody clowned me like well miss training camp i missed three training camps so i have been to training camp but you know that's that's the ongoing joke of me well you didn't go to me too many training camps but what happened was one one training camp the end the last night of training camp usually that's not really nothing you're chilling so me and my officer Lama, we started to get together and sit in, you know, we was in a dormitory where the dormitory was like a circular dormitory. I don't know if you ever seen one of those. And so in and, and the elevator and Hasselback room was right. As soon as you got the elevator, Hasselback room was there. So that was most of the room. Most of the, the uh, it was a corridor. So it was a circle yeah. dormitory. So it really wasn't a lot of room. But the right by the elevator was a, the most space thing about for big officer Lama. So we literally got there one the last night of our camp and we had one of the guys to go get us some, some drinks so we was just all sitting there, Matt, you know, Matt Hubback being a quarterback, you know, he had the, the dopest room, he had TVs, he had he had video games, he had music. So he was playing video game and he had his music playing. So we decided to so let's go out here. We'll sit out here by the elevator and we'll just listen to music and just watch everybody. And then Hasselback, I thought I guess Hasselback got tired and was ready to go to bed. Instead of Hasselback saying, Hey guys, I'm finna go to bed, he just closed this door. Like he didn't say nothing, he just like boom. He was gone. So, and I looked at Robbie Toback, Robbie Toback, and I said, Robbie, man, if I had a key, I would slap. I would go in there and slap him. I said, he could have told us he was going to go to bed. And Hasselback, and then uh, Toback said, okay. So Toback went down and got the, the master key and unlocked the door, he said. And I was like, you know, you with your boys, you know, the pressure, the peer pressure is bad. So I'm like, man, I got to go here. You know, we was on a couple of drinks at that time. So I, I walked in there. I like, Matt, man, I, I, Matt was kind of ready for it because I think he heard us talking in outside. So when I came in, I was like, Matt, man, I got to slap you, bro. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was it's supposed to be like we was kind of like trying to make it like, OK, we know what's going on. But you got to realize, you know, these are heavy. These are some mitts. And think about mitts with a little drink in you. So now it get heavier. So when I came down, it was it was a it was a good smack, you know. It wasn't a, like a across the face smack. It was like a like a brick hit your face, like ah! And you know, I was like, okay, I did it. And we were laughing about it. Then the next day, it was when I really felt bad because when I got in there, he had he had the freaking print on his face and stuff. And I was like, oh, he was like going, oh, oh my god, I think I got it. You know, he was just drumming, drumming it up, like, oh, I think I got a concussion. I'm not playing today. I'm not practicing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I felt bad. But you know, it's just a running joke, man. It just happened, yeah. man. And. You know, you have to. Sometimes you have to put these quarterbacks in their place, man. I thought that that was the – I had to put him in his place. You know, he could have said, hey, guys, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and he could have gave us – he could have yeah. gave us a speaker. He could have gave yeah. us a speaker. If he was going to bed, give us a speaker. We still listen to music. So so that's yeah. why he got slapped. Can you imagine Adam Schefter tweeting out, all right, Matt Hasselbeck is going to be out for week 15. Walter Jones <laughs> gave him a concussion at the hotel last night. No, right? That would have been bad. They, they, would have to, they, they would have to blow it up to a point where it was a, it was a bad disagreement or something. Yeah. Like. Now I'm on TV explaining something that was a joke. So, you know, it's it's, it's still fun to talk about it now. Yeah. You know, it's it's fun. It's, it's part of training camp, and it was pretty it was pretty cool. 
like nowadays when you when you, you see Matt, does he kind of go like this when you kind of give him a high, give him a high five? Or? <laughs> Not at all. You know, we tried to. You know, I think I put it on my Instagram story one time on Twitter, but we tried to reenact it at the game, and it was I was I was on some drinks at that game, so <laughs> he was like, "I'm like, I don't think you want me to slap you because I'm feeling pretty good." So no, so it was it was so funny though. It, it's pretty good, cool. Matt. Matt goes along with it too. You know, we always joke sometimes on Twitter and stuff sometimes. So it's, it's, it's all funny game. It's, it's a pretty cool situation. Yeah, I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, who's the toughest pass rusher you ever had to block? Oh man, uh, I would have to say probably Bruce Smith. I have many people. I don't have just one guy. I'm like, okay, I have one guy that I tell people all the time that gave me fits. Uh, Rayleigh Johnson, he's a defensive end from San Diego Chargers. Oh my God. Uh, I, I had a, problem, a lot of problems when I was younger in the league. I could name some guys like, uh, Chuck Schmell from Atlanta, uh, Atlanta gave me fits. Uh, uh, what, uh, Bruce Smith, uh, OC from uh, the Giants. Just guys that you just had to go, you had to be at full tilt at all times. You know, these guys didn't let you, didn't, you know, I thought Bruce Smith was the one that kind of made me study the game different because he would, he used something that I did in the first quarter and beat me in the fourth quarter. So that's when I started trying to figure out how, what guys are thinking to beat me throughout the game. And I got to the point where if you beat, if you gave me a spin move, you gave me a hand slap, what are you going to do next? And by the third quarter, I would kind of figure out what he's doing. So that made the game so much easier. So Bruce Smith was the one defensive end that kind of made me start thinking about, okay, what are you doing in the first quarter? He's not going to do it in the fourth quarter. So, and I was literally almost on point of what these guys were doing in the fourth quarter. So it was pretty cool. Question: I got my years mixed up. Did you did you cross paths with Marshawn in Seattle, or was he after you left? Not at all. Marshawn didn't come to our left. I, I retired in what 2010. I think Marshawn was there. I I, I was officially hurt it on. I got hurt. I got. I was on injury reserve in what 09, and then I retired in 010. I think that's when Marshawn came in that year. So I didn't get a chance to play with Marshawn. I wish ever, I would play with. Him. Did you ever hear any wild stories about him from your teammates? Like, yo, man, you you should have been there. You know what? I get the story that people say, man, if y'all would have blocked for, if y'all would have been, if, if, if Marshawn Lynch would have been with that 05 team, the numbers he probably would have put up, you know, because if you watch his highlights now, you're like, man, he did a lot on his own, you know, like he was like making a lot of guys miss and, you know, just doing some, some freaky stuff. So you thinking like all you have to, you know, I tell people all the time to think about Sean, Sean was great, but you know, Sean had a good offensive line where yeah. all you had to do is beat probably one linebacker or be the safety. Now you're to the races. So think about, if you're telling me you get Marshawn Lynch to the safety every time where he ain't got to worry about nobody but the safety, yeah. that safety is not coming down to make that tackle. So you just wonder how it would have been if we would have had Marshawn Lynch in his prime and in our prime. It would have been probably been crazy. Were you at the game against the Saints of the Beastquake? Yes, I was there. I was, uh, I, did, was I, did the, I did the 12-man flag on that game. And it was crazy because, you know, I think it was one of those games where we shouldn't have been in the playoff because our record. But – you know, we got hot there in the playoff and, and beat a team that was probably should have shouldn't have been shouldn't, they shouldn't have even been. There. I think they lost a game here or there where they end up in a wild card game. So it it was one of those situations where it was it was weird, but it was fun to, to be a part of to see it. But still, you knowing that that game was weird because I know the Saints was probably thinking that it was going to be an easy win for them. But you know, you like you say, I always look at that. You know, any, any given Sunday, anything can happen. So that was one of those Sundays where. The Saints, yeah. like, man, we got the beach quake. So it was pretty cool to be a part of that. Where would you rank Marshawn in terms of Seattle's all-time running back list? I would put him up pretty high, probably one or two because uh, of what he brought here. You know, even though Sean was the MVP, you know, you have to put Sean at probably number one because he was the MVP in the league. 
But I think what Marshawn, Marshawn was that guy that brought that, that what, what Pete was preaching all the time about toughness and competition. And, you know, you know, you kind of knew he wasn't having competition at practice, but you have this competition that doesn't just in practice and it's in game stuff too, though. So I thought that what Marshawn brought, you know, he was a fan favorite as soon as he got here. So that was pretty cool. You know what he was able to do. And then you look at it now, you know, he was, uh, you know, he didn't talk a lot. You know, he had that, I'm just here so I don't get fined. But now you're seeing them all on TV. So I think it's pretty cool to see his personality now. And I tell people all the time, I said, sometimes the media can have you thinking of a guy that you get a chance to meet him. You're like, man, he's nothing like what you think the media is trying to persuade. They're trying to tell you who, what type of person he is. Uh, a great guy. One of a very down, down, down home, uh, humble guy uh, that gets it, you know. A lot of times people don't get it. I think Marshawn gets it. And if you don't know him, I think you should get to know him. But uh, he's one of the great ones. I think he should take over as the host of Jeopardy. I've been saying it for a couple of years. I think he'd be electric. (laughs) I think think he's cool, man. I think he's got a a unique situation that everybody can't do. You know, he don't don't dress up. He's like, you know, I heard heard stories about when they did the uh, 100 commercial, you know, when they did the football. And, you know, I think it's on one of these things where they were showing like they was doing it behind the scene. And and, and he was, um, they was talking about, they was trying to see could they get him in a a tuxedo. He went, you know, if you go back and watch the the video, everybody was in a tuxedo and he was in a hoodie. And I think that's pretty cool that he's in control of his own. Well, he, you know, hey, whatever, I'm coming, but this is what I'm wearing. You know, a lot of times you do a lot of spots and people, oh, you got to wear this, you got to wear that. He says, you know, everybody can't do that. Marshawn can He's his own entity, and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, Ain't nobody doing what Marshawn is doing, yeah, so man. that's pretty cool. Yeah. They had Wipeout clip on the TV today. I'm like, why isn't he on this? I know, uh, right? He should be on that stuff, yeah. though. He'd be good. He'd be good. He'd be yeah. good. You know, so yeah. he's yeah. on yeah. all the commercials now. You're seeing yeah. him, you know, national yeah. commercials. So he, yeah. he's showing people his personality, you know. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have it um, here. You spent your whole career as a Seahawk. I did my entire career. Did you ever go see at home? Did you ever consider leaving? I didn't consider leaving, but I had my options or if, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, when they was franchising me and my, my agent asked me, like, if you if you had an opportunity to go somewhere, where would you want to go? I'm like, you know, if I could control it. At that time, I had just built a house in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. So I was uh, thinking about, like, um, Atlanta or, or Tennessee. I thought, like, Tennessee, because Huntsville, like, Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee was only, like, an hour away from where I had my home built. So I thought it had been cool to be able to, keep my family at home and just drive back and forth or have a, like an apartment there. And then just drive. how cool would it be to drive out the game on Sunday, drive home and then drive back. You know, I thought it would have been cool, but I kind of figured I wasn't going to be able to go nowhere. For, I mean, Seattle had locked me up, so I know I wasn't going nowhere. Then I wanted to ask you, what was it like getting into Canton? Canton was amazing, man. I think it's cool to, to be able to say you're a part of that, that, um, that amazing team. Uh, I tell people all the time, I said, the thing about the Hall of Fame is it get better every year. Because I tell people there's, you know, a lot of time when you play on a team and you get old and you start bringing young people, you know, okay, it's my, they, they bringing this guy in to replace me. When you go to the Hall of Fame, you're not replacing anybody. This is the guys one time to, to relive how great they were. Yeah. So for me personally, I think it's a fine one. I, I'm okay because I'm not a big talker. So I go there, I, I accept everything. But for me personally, to be there with guys that I saw growing up, like yeah. I was a big fan of Anthony Mulio. So I still get nervous when I be around him and stuff. So, but for me personally, it's amazing. You know, I never did think about it. I tell people all the time, I never thought about the Hall of Fame growing up, never when I was playing. The only time I thought about the Hall of Fame was when I went there when Cortez Kennedy got in and he was like, 
well, you're next. And that's when I said, okay, maybe I could be here. So, uh, and I tell people, I tell people uh, the number one thing, I got in in four years and not five. So that's a good thing. I tell people that people don't know that. That's a good quiz uh, because my last year I was injured. And so when I retired the next year and then after four years, they came to me and said, well, you're eligible. I'm like, I think, cause you know, you kind of know, okay, this year is when I, I thought of in, I thought of thinking 2015 was when I was eligible. And they came back and said, no, we, we counted your, your injured years are holding you. I'm like, well, I wasn't thinking about retiring at that time, but they uh, counted as holding year. So I got in in four years and it was amazing, man. I, I think I tell people all the time, I think my class is probably the best class there, but you know, it's, 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 it's a bit, it's, 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 you know, but I think about the position that we have, I yeah. think you got the old lineman, you got a linebacker, you got a defensive end, you got everybody. So yeah. it's a great class. I love my guys. I, 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 it's great to see what these guys are doing outside of football now. But when you get back there, you get a chance to see those guys and relive those moments or like, dude, we, we're class of 2014. So it's pretty amazing. You said Cortez Kennedy said you're next. Who, who to you? Who's next? Yes. For Seattle. Who's the next? Oh man, that's hard, man. You know what? I, you know, I I said Hutch. Hutch got in, so that's good. I'm I'm looking probably for uh, probably Coach Holmgren, or maybe Sean Alexander. Um, but I'm thinking Coach Holmgren maybe before Sean Alexander. So I would say Coach Holmgren probably gonna be the next. It all depends on if he's gonna go in as a Seahawk, but I think he will because you know even though he won a Super Bowl at, in Green Bay. But I think you know, he lives, he still lives here. So, you know, that's a tale to, he still lives here in Seattle. So that's a good thing, you know. And a lot of people are, a lot of players are making Seattle their home now because um, it's a great city, you know. Yeah. Besides the, you know, for me, a lot of people want to, I, I totally understand why people want to be somewhere where it's warm. You know, uh, I'm dealing with that now. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to move, move in, the, in the fall and go somewhere warm and come back here just for the football season. Because, you know, your body aches because of the cold and stuff. So I totally understand why people go wear warm, in the, you know, in the wintertime. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, right now my kids are, what, 21. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, once they get established yeah. here and they own the city, then I can leave. <laughs> yeah. And then I want to ask you about your clothing brand. You got the, so you got the hat. I saw you got the shirt. Uh, can you talk about the best yeah. to ever do it? Oh, yeah. This is my clothing brand, man. I, I've been doing this for the last couple of years. It's called the best to ever do it. Uh, I have a clothing line. If people want to check it out, they can check out my as uh, online as uh, b2edi.com. Go check it out. I got hoodies. I got hats. Uh, um, I'm working on some spring stuff now. So hopefully in the next month here, I have a new a whole line of product stuff. And that's been fun, man. I tell people all the time it's been fun for me. I, I try to to inspire people to be the best version of yourself, no matter what they're doing. A lot of times people look at that as that I'm talking about what I did on the football. True enough, that that's that's what it came from. I took it from uh, from um, from uh, I can't think of his name now. Uh, John Madden, John Madden, and uh, he said I was the best to ever do it. So I took those and made my B2 EDI. So that's what I do. And I just try when you're wearing this shirt, you want to be the best version of yourself. I try to do that every day. I try to instill it in my kids and stuff like that. I I do all my packing in my house, uh, so it's it's been fun just to cool. just to learn and you know. And I think I do it more for my kids to see that you know if you want to do something, do it yeah. and put put all your, your your energy into it. So I don't ask them to help me at all. I want them to see me doing it. But you know, if, if people want to check it out, go check yeah. it out. Uh, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and I got two last questions for you. One, one dumb question. I'm curious. You ever met Macklemore? I know you spent a lot of time in Seattle. I know he's out. I haven't met, met Macklemore before. Really? Yes, All right. What's he yeah. like? Because nobody else has met him. It's a, it's a good guy. I met him. He was in the same suite I was at the game. I just took a picture with him. Great guy. Never, 
you know, um, a good guy, you know, a lot of time, you know, I met a couple of people in the suite. So you meet these people, you see them on TV. I got a chance to meet, uh, I can't think of his name, the guy from, uh, from Walking Dead, Negan, Negan. Oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah, Jeffrey I met him. Oh, yeah, cool. I met him and I met, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, he's uh, from a Galaxy Quest. What's that movie? I Galaxy Quest? That. I don't want to have no idea. You know what's that? Oh, you got, you got me. You got me. I got uh, he was on, uh, he was on, I think he played in, uh, on, on Office too. Uh, the little, he was a little chubby, then he got skinny. He's, uh, he was, uh, Kevin? I don't know. Kevin, come here. Oh, no, he was on the office though. Uh, he used to go with Anna. He used to go with Anna Fair. What her name? Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Oh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's what it was. I thought it was office. My bad. Oh, really? I it was the office. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, what the hell? Is yeah. Galaxy <laughs> Quest. I'm like, what I, don't, is I, don't, this? I don't know. I don't know. I have even watched. I think I don't oh, watch. Watch. It's I think fantastic. It was, I think it's Galaxy that. some though. So. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Fantastic Guardians soundtrack. Yeah. Only only grab out of that soundtrack. There's no Macklemore. But um, okay. do, you, do you listen to his music? I think he's underrated. People that I was gonna ask. I think he's pretty good though. If if they, you go back and look at the uh, we did I, we did his song the uh, what the what thrift shop. When yeah. They did the, when they was doing a police challenge and we did the see the Seattle did it so they wanted me to be a part of it so <laughs> I really got a chance to to listen to his music and I think I listened to his last not this, I don't know if it's not his last album but the album before then I thought it was a dope album so you know I think he got good music I think he got a, a unique a unique sound of what he does. Ain't nobody else doing it, so it's pretty cool. No, because when he won the Grammy for Best Rapper, people were like, "What?" I'm like, "Give him some, show him some respect." But yeah, uh, put some respect uh, on his name, right? Yeah, and then, and then one last serious question: How cool is it they retired your number? What was that like? Oh, it's pretty cool. You know, I think it it shows that they respect what you did on the football field. I think the thing about it that's that's what I always try to tell people that whatever you do on the football field, it's going to take care of itself. So if you go out there and you play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Uh, that's what that's the kind of stuff that happened you know for me it's kind of still weird to see it up there but it's pretty dope you know uh, to every time you go in that stadium you see your number uh, people that don't even know you see that number they're gonna ask who's that number so people always go back and see and I, I tell people all the time I try to play the game the right way so if you go back and watch film you're gonna say man that kid played it the right way so that's the way I try to do every time I got on the football field yeah, that's really all the questions we have here. Um, how can people find you on social media? And I can link all the B2 EDI. Oh, you can find me on uh, what? Uh, Instagram at BigWall71. My Twitter is BigWall71. You can follow my uh, Instagram for my brand. It's called The Best Ever Do It. So check that out. I do a lot of stuff on there. You can find me on TikTok at BigWall100. You got TikTok now? I have a TikTok, so I'm on TikTok. I do a lot of stuff on TikTok, so check me out on Big Wall Seventy One. I'm trying to come TikTok famous. That's what I'm trying. No, I'm not kidding. No, honestly, yeah. I, 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 I get Macklemore. I'll blow that shit up. You know what? I try. You know, I should do it. I should do it. I did a. My, I got my buddy. I don't. You know, I don't know. You're not probably not into country music, but my buddy was a, a lead singer for a group a long time ago. Ooh. So what I did, I did a duet. I did a song. His song he did one day. I said, "Hey man," and I said, "I'm gonna see can I." And you know, I did a little talk over. I say, "I want to see can I get this the real guy to come on and do a duet." And then like two <laughs> days later, he did it. So I said, "Maybe I could do a duet with Macklemore and to tag him and see what he come in and do it and do it like the really like you know most of the time TikTok is like a voiceover." So yeah. think about it, if I if I'm doing one of his songs, he yeah. comes in and do a split screen and doing the song like naturally. So I'm I'm working on that. I'm trying to you know folks, trying to find out what my what, what's gonna be my snitch. Yeah. I saw one guy. I like one guy I got on TikTok. He does this where he's walking through like he's walking on the street and he'll he'll sing a song and he'll see yeah. where the people where the people uh, finish the song. So he'll uh -oh. be like. 
you know, like he'll say, I love, you know, he'll just walk up to a group of people and, th- and sing a song and say, yeah, and see where they finish the lyric to the song. So I think that's pretty cool. Like, if I don't you, know if I could steal that from him, but we probably could, but, you if know. If you got Chris Pratt and Macklemore, you three, in a TikTok, <laughs> it might break the app. At least I might work on it, though. Like, I don't see those guys until the season, so let's see if we can. Uh, go have people, Let me know. I'm going to blow that I got you. 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 I'm going to link your TikTok. I'll throw, I'll throw it on here. But, yeah, but this yeah, Do that, man. Do that. Do that. Appreciate you awesome. taking the time. All right, man. Have a good one, man.